good morning. Would you stand with us? Now let's look at this verse that Kyle Jackson read over us last week. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. We invite you to sing this with us this morning. How great is our God. Oh Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art.
guys can have a seat. Good morning, fellowship. My name is Hunter House, and I am genuinely so excited to be able to worship with y'all uh, this morning. I love these mornings where we can gather together. And so if this is one of your first times with us, I wanna encourage you to do one thing. Find someone with an orange lanyard. Uh, they'll probably be out in the foyer, and uh, that's the person who will be able to help you get connected. We can get some information to help come alongside you and your family and serve you. And so we wanna be able to offer that for you. I'm gonna cover a couple of quick things and reminders. The first is you're probably picking up on this. I see you pulling out your phones. Uh, but our bulletin or communicator, uh, we're not printing them off right now and so they can all be accessed digitally. We'll have this on the screen, but the easiest thing to do is as you're walking through these two doors, just pull out your phone and uh, pull open the camera app and you'll see on a little stand this same QR code. And that's much easier to do back there on your way in than it is to try to get this, but you can also try this. So we're gonna keep that going uh, for y'all. Uh, another thing would be, for a lot of us, part of our weekly worship experience is sacrificial giving. And let me just say, thank you guys so much for your generosity, uh, not only as a staff member of the church, but just as a fellow believer. Uh, it has encouraged my wife and I to continue to be generous ourselves with our family and to teach that to our sons. And so that would be the first thing. The second is if you're wanting to give in person, we have kind of made it hard on you uh, to find where to do that, right? You have to play hide and seek to go find the offering slots in the wall. So let me show you a couple of pictures for those of you who are here. Uh, and this is what you're gonna see on the exterior. So as you exit, if you've brought uh, something that you physically wanna drop off, there's a couple of slots in the exterior walls um, on either side for you to do that. But also as you enter on your way into the service, above the water fountains, it's like a treasure map. Above the water fountains coming in is where you can find some others. So kids, you might wanna draw a treasure map for your parents. Uh, it might be really, really helpful for them to be able to find it. But you can also give online, especially for you folks worshiping at home. That's another way to access it. Uh, one more thing would be, I wanna say thank y'all. Thank you for wearing a mask in here. Nobody likes these things, okay? I don't like them, you don't like them, but man, it is an opportunity for us to be good neighbors and good citizens uh, to those around us for us to be able to continue to worship in a safe way. And so thank y'all so much for doing that. Our mission statement here at Fellowship is simple. Here it is, if you don't know it. It's to produce and release spiritual leaders who know and express, not just know, but know and express the authentic Christ to Northwest Arkansas and the whole world. So that's why we exist in everything that we do, but especially here on Sunday mornings, as we come to gather together and worship together, that's what we wanna do. We wanna be produced and released to go be a light for Christ into the world. And so this isn't a service where we just ask you to come sit, listen, and get out. Uh, we want this to be spiritually formative. So we're, we're gonna practice some of those maybe spiritual disciplines this morning and ask you guys to participate. It's gonna be a different service. Some of you love that. Some of you are like, oh, come on. But it's gonna be a little bit different. We're gonna go in and out of teaching and into worship. Uh, we're gonna have five of our residents who are on staff with us for a year. They're gonna come up and, and read some scripture over us and pray. And when they do, we're gonna invite you to stand for the reading of God's word. But this morning, we wanna let the simplicity and power of the word of God move in us and dwell in us deeply and change us and form us so that we're not conformed to the patterns of this world, but we're transformed by the renewing of our minds. So that's our goal for this morning. Will you stand with me? I want all of us just to take a deep breath. Go for it. 
Holy Spirit, as we exhale, we, we ask you just to give us peace, peace from your word. Lord God, we ask that you would dwell within us, that you would teach us and form us. God, that you would move in us so that we can know you more and become more like you this morning. So we give you this time as a time of worship, Lord.
1 Thessalonians 3, 1 through 5. Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith, that no one be moved by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that we are destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction just as it had come to pass and just as you know. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. Father, in this season of affliction, of temptation, we ask for your peace, a peace that could only come from you and surpasses all of our understanding. Beyond that, Lord, we ask for trust, that we are able to trust in you, in your word, and know that this season of affliction does have an end, but through it all, we can be joyful. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Thanks, Claire and John. Okay, so some things in life are just inevitable, right? When you sign up for this, this is what's gonna happen. Well, as a father, of three sons, I've realized that there's one thing that's in it, inevitable, and it is emergency room visits, right? When you have boys, it just comes with the territory. And so uh, if you have multiple kids, or maybe you're a sibling uh, with multiple siblings, y'all know that in every group, in every family, there's always that one kid, y'all know him or her, it's usually him, that's prone to injury and it's just gonna push the limits. And so that happened with us. And if you combine a glass top record player with our adventurous four-year-old, you end up in the ER. And y'all, we told him over and over, buddy, do not climb on top of that. Don't do it. It's gonna break and you're gonna go to the hospital. Thinking like, well, that, may, that probably isn't actually gonna happen. Uh, but it did. And so as a father in that moment, after telling him multiple times, my, my gut reaction, this makes me a great father, by the way, was like, well, sorry, dude. Like, told you that this was gonna happen, right? But obviously he's bleeding and screaming. So comfort, love, father, that kind of stuff too. Uh, just step in and help. But I've just realized like, this probably comes with the territory. Now, not to brag, but I have a six, four and one-year-old boy and Y'all, this was our first ER visit. So you're not gonna see that stat on SportsCenter, but I am proud of it. That's 11 collective years, and I'm sure we'll have another one here in the next couple of months. But you sign up for this, you have sons, you're probably gonna go to the hospital. What is inevitable for Christians? When we sign up to follow Jesus, when we say, I wanna declare Jesus as Lord, and I'm gonna follow him, what's inevitable? Is it eternal life? Yes, is it the Holy Spirit dwelling within us and growing us more into Christ's image? Yes. Is it comfort and happiness in this world? Ye I don't think that's in there. Huh. In fact, when we, what we see Paul write in Thessalonians is the opposite. You know what he says? Hey guys, if you wanna sign up to follow Jesus, if you wanna give your life to him, and get rid of your own desires and declare him as Lord, guess what you get? Afflictions, <laughs> hardship, difficulty, right? That's, that's actually what you are agreeing to take on as a Christ follower. It's a good reminder for us, and we'll study it here in a second, but 
that Christianity is not immunity from hardship. In, in fact, it's the opposite. And in a lot of situations, it might propel us into even more difficult situations because we're living in a world that values different things than we do. And so we are in chapter three today of 1 Thessalonians, and we're gonna do this in three parts. And the first section is just these first five verses. And we see that, that Paul has gone to Thessalonica. He has built up these believers. He shared the gospel. There's a church forming. He gets kicked out of town. Y'all know the story. We've talked about it a lot. And then we see in verse two that he reminds us, I sent Timothy to you. Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith. Now, why did they need to be established and exhorted in their faith? He goes on to explain that there is a lot of opposition and affliction coming. We, we sent him so that none of you may be moved by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that we are destined for this. This was going to happen, this was inevitable. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction. This is part of the process of following Jesus in a world that disagrees with you at the core of almost every belief. That when you declare, as we saw back in Acts when we introduced this series, that there is another king. It's not just King Caesar. There's King Jesus who's the true king. That's gonna cause a lot of tension in your world. And I think it's hard for us to understand that sometimes uh, here in 21st century America. And we can actually get kind of appalled that people don't respect our Christian values. But y'all remember, we are the minority and we are living for a kingdom that, that is not on this earth. It's a heavenly kingdom. And so we can't associate hardships and difficulties when we hold to godly values. We can't associate with that with, well, I guess we're doing something wrong and we need to change. Paul says it's actually the opposite. If you're facing some affliction and opposition because you're trying to follow Jesus, you're probably doing something right. And I think he's trying to shut down this false advertising from the beginning. Have you ever gone on one of those websites that shows you like, the pictures that a resort might advertise online versus someone who actually goes there and takes a picture from the exact same spot. And it's like, ooh, beautiful beach, beautiful sunset. There's like two people on the whole resort. And then someone opens the window and snaps a picture. It's like, there's a warehouse. Like, why is there a warehouse on the beach? And it's right here. And I think Paul is saying like, I don't know who promised you this, but this is what you're stepping into. So just know that this doesn't exist. This is what it means to follow Jesus. Is there life, hope, joy? Absolutely. But that doesn't come without afflictions of living in a broken world. And I actually think, as hard as this is to say, those difficulties can be for our good. Because in my own life, and I've seen in others, difficult seasons are often the best vehicles for holiness if we choose to follow Jesus in them. Uh, the problem is, there's someone who is actively fighting against our holiness, who that's the last thing that he wants. And Paul reaffirmed that to the Thessalonians. He said, we're, we're sending you Timothy, we're encouraging you because we have a fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you. Somehow he got to you and said like, throw away this godly living because this is easier. Just conform to the world. You won't face opposition. Now I think it'd probably be false for me to say exactly how Satan tempts every one of us in here or everyone watching uh, because it's different and he's crafty. But, but the more that I've grown in my faith, the more I've realized that maybe Satan doesn't like go after us like he went after Job, where it's just like, let me destroy your whole, whole life. I think it's a little more subtle sometimes. 
And his temptations can be in ways that we don't even realize. My wife showed me this documentary that she watched not too long ago, and in it there was this Iranian couple. They were believers, and they moved from Iran to the U.S. for a season. And after being here for only a short time, the wife started begging the husband, please, please can we go back to Iran? And he's like, are you crazy? <laughs> like, look at the life we have here, right? We can share the gospel and, you know, there's no threat of being killed or being incarcerated or tortured or whatever that we might get back in Iran. Why would you wanna go back there? You know what she said? And I, I think it's a great example of what Satan is doing. She said, there amongst Christians in America, there's a satanic lullaby and Christians are falling asleep and I'm starting to feel sleepy. Now, I'm not saying that that's all of us, but I do think that that is a method that Satan uses is just to kind of distract us with the American dream and to lead us to comfort away from affliction so that we won't be refined, so that we won't be holy and we'll think our hope is in something else. Mark Sayers is an Australian pastor and he actually calls that soft power. I don't know if you've ever heard that term, but strong or hard power would be this like, we're gonna come in, we're gonna destroy, war, kill, all that stuff. Soft power is a little more subtle and it's behind the scenes and a lot of times you may not even realize it's happening. And I think Satan uses that tactic so much in the 21st century. Uh, From his book, Disappearing Church, Mark says this, and I'm paraphrasing from a couple of chapters, but it says, spreading across the Western world like a slow growing moss, our beautiful culture seems to offer us everything. That soft power is an indirect yet powerful sort of influence and it subtly coaxes you proclaiming that the good life can be yours. And in the midst of the world that we live in, we have to actively fight against that enculturation and remember the reason that we're here. And sometimes those difficult seasons are really good reminders that our hope is not in this world. Our hope is not in any political side. Our hope is not in any school system or any job. That our hope is in something way greater than what we are experiencing here. The reasons for Paul sending Timothy to help establish the believers wasn't to give them the top five ways to avoid persecution, like just get out, run away. It was actually to to anchor them and to encourage them in the midst of it and to show them that godly living in the midst of difficult seasons is really, really healthy for you. Now, in a room this size and with with people watching, I know that there are tons of different difficulties, stresses, anxieties that we are facing. Some are afflictions from outside, but other things are within us. And so what I wanna do for our first kind of spiritual practice this morning is just take a couple of minutes and offer those to the Lord. So we're gonna ask you wherever you're at, online or in person, just between you and the Lord. If you have young kids and wanna gather together as a family, you can do that too. But I wanna acknowledge a couple of things. What difficulties am I facing? As a believer, as a follower of Jesus, what are the things in my life that just don't add up? But in acknowledging those things to him, remembering that God isn't sitting on the other side going, all right, come on, boy, get through it. You can do this. Scripture actually tells us that he steps into those moments, that he's near to the brokenhearted, that he comforts those who mourn, and that he steps into our world to walk alongside us. And so I also want us to acknowledge in the difficult things that we're facing, where do we see God? in those. So take a couple of minutes between you and the Lord and spend some time in prayer and reflection.
stand with us and sing this together and be close to our Savior in this time. Great I am.
Let's read from God's word together. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you, for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, we humble ourselves before you, so grateful and so thankful for your love. Lord, I pray that we can follow in Paul's footsteps as he provided love and encouragement to those around him. Father, as we spend time reflecting on you, praying with you, reflecting on your word, Lord, I pray that we are so filled up from your love and encouragement that we can overflow that same love into the lives of those around us, into the lives of our neighbors and our communities. Jesus, it's in your holy name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Guys, can I have a seat? Thanks, Amber. All right, so if, if part one of chapter three was Paul just kind of reorienting the Thessalonians, like, hey, just remember, this is part of it. When you walk uh, with Jesus, this is gonna come. What's part two? What do we see in these next five verses? What you're gonna hear and see from the text is that Paul is emphasizing to them that, hey, yes, this is gonna be difficult, and so you cannot do this alone. That mutual encouragement of other believers and having good community of Christ followers around you is going to be really, really important. So to dissect this for just a minute. But, but now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love, and I wanna stop there. Good news. What's the word we tend to think of as Christians when we hear good news? The gospel, that's right. And so there's a word in the Greek that actually translates to gospel or good news. And did you know that this is the one time in the New Testament that that word is translated here, but it doesn't refer to the saving work of Jesus Christ? That he's saying that the gospel here is the gospel of your faith and love. Now, why would he do that? It sounds kind of heretical, right? Um, he's saying the gospel is not Jesus Christ dying on the cross. I don't think that's what he's saying at all. I think what Paul is doing is showing that, like, man, I've gone around to all these different cities preaching the gospel, the good news of Jesus, and guess what? With you guys, it has sunk in, and it's actually transforming your lives, and the gospel goes to work. It's not some theory. It's actual truth in life, and we're seeing it overflow in your love and in your faith in the way that you live, which is incredible. And he says, because of this, for this reason, brothers, as, as we long to see you in all of our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. Verse eight, for now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. Two things to notice here. So the original Greek of standing fast is not a one-time thing, like, okay, you stood firm, great job, move on to the next thing in life. That he's saying that you're standing fast is an ongoing process and decision that you are going to have to make every single day. And it's still true for us as believers today. That to follow Jesus, to stand fast in the midst of persecution, difficulty, whatever it may be, we're going to have to decide that every single day and to declare that, hey, today is a day that the Lord has made 
I will rejoice and be glad in it, and I will choose to follow you in it, Lord. And it's an ongoing, continual process. The second thing from this verse would be that, okay, so I'm a math guy. I don't have a grammar degree. But when I read this, I'm like, the grammar doesn't make sense to me. Because it feels like he should have said, for now we live if we are standing fast in the Lord. Or, for now you live if you are standing fast in the Lord. But he combines we and you, and he says, for now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. Why would Paul do this? What's he getting at? Well, I think he's showing that your individual faith is way bigger than yourself. And when you, as a follower of Christ, choose to faithfully follow Jesus, it speaks volumes to those around you and actually encourages them. And Paul's going, what's his reaction to the fact that the Thessalonians are going through difficulties that are fixing their eyes on Jesus? He's like, yes, let's go, you're doing it. Right, not in some sick and twisted sort of, ooh, I'm glad your life is terrible. Welcome to the club of pain. He's telling them like, man, I am living and encouraged because you are fixing your eyes on Christ from the very beginning and the gospel is taking root in you. In in a situation where most people would cave, Paul had seen it over and over again. He had gone to all these churches and you see his letters and he's like, what are you guys doing? Like I was just there. Why have you gone off the deep end and just throwing away this theology. But with these guys, he's saying, no, 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 you're getting it. And it's life to me. Paul knows that his salvation is secure. And so he's actually giving his whole life to see this happen, to share the good news with others and watch others be ushered in to the kingdom of God. And it's the faith of other people that are actually bringing him life. There's this doctrine, this secular doctrine called mutualism, which basically says that Uh, If you have two individuals, uh, sometimes they mutually benefit from each other and and have dependence on each other in a way that is necessary for life to keep going. Let me give you a couple of examples. Uh, The whole pollination process with bees and flowers, right? Which side does it benefit? Both, right? I'm not a bee expert, but I do know that. That when bees pollinate flowers, the flowers benefit and the bees get to make honey, and it's awesome. Humans and plants, right? You realize we actually take in the gas that the other one gives off. And it's this cycle where oxygen and carbon dioxide, I'm not a science guy, uh, but it's this cycle where we actually benefit from each other. It's crazy. SEC football, right? Same, same thing. Uh, these big football teams actually invite in these smaller schools so that they can destroy them. And that, why would the school come? Well, because the SEC school is gonna give them a check for like half a million dollars, right? It's mutually beneficial. Sometimes it backfires and you give them $500,000 and a victory, but different topic for a different day. With believers in the midst of difficulty, did you know that there's an opportunity for this to take place too? For both people, the one going through difficulty and the one encouraging, for both of them to benefit and grow. Paul, Paul highlights it. He says, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. And the thanksgiving, what thanksgiving can we return to God for you for all the joy that we feel for your sake? Don't miss this. Our faith as faithful followers of Jesus is way bigger than ourselves. Way bigger. And we can easily find ourselves on both sides of this where we may be the one who needs encouragement that day or 
there may be someone waiting on us to reach out and actually strengthen and encourage them in their faith. And sometimes we see both happen from the same person. That a faithful believer needs someone to speak life in them, but their faithfulness in difficulty speaks life right back into the other person. When we as Jesus followers step in to love people well in the midst of affliction and difficulty, both sides grow and benefit. You know, in my uh, Tuesday morning men's group uh, with a couple of younger guys, it's led by Dick Nervig and Jack C. And Jack uh, brought something to us young guys a couple of weeks ago, just talking about the importance of our words and how when we're going through life, we have been given a powerful tool of words that we can use for God's glory. And he pulled this from a verse that Paul wrote, but he, he said there's three things that you can really do with your words, and that's you can strengthen people, you can encourage people, but you can also comfort people. And y'all see the acronym, right? Next time you hear someone chant S-E-C, S-E-C, this is what I want you to think of. Right? You're gonna be in that football stadium, you're like, man, all these people are so godly. This is incredible. I just wanna strengthen, encourage, and comfort everyone around them. But we as believers have a great opportunity to come alongside other people who are hurting, who are experiencing loss, who are going through difficult circumstances. And so that is practice number two this morning. I actually want you to pull out your phone. We are gonna text in church, okay? Pull it out. Um, and what I want us to do is practice SECing someone to use the, the words that we have to reach out to someone in our lives and strengthen them, encourage them. Hey, I want you to know that I'm really proud of the way that you're walking through that situation and I've been praying for you and I love you. As a brother, as a sister in Christ, I'm here for you. And to use our words for good. Now that person actually may be sitting with you and so you can just reach over and share with them, but also think outside of this room. Families at home, think outside of your family and take a minute to reach out to someone to strengthen, encourage, and comfort them. Would you stand with us? Let's remember the faithfulness of God this morning.
is a sure foundation. His promises prove true. Sing it with me. Your word stands firm through the fire in the flood. When the weight of all the world crashes down on us, you will hold us up by the power of your love. Your word stands firm. God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you 
so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Fellowship, would you pray with me? Lord, thank you that you're a good, good father and that you love us so well. Uh, Lord, as we go into our homes and our communities, would you just teach us to love like you? Uh, would we just decrease and Lord that would you increase in our lives and that would your love for us radiate in the way that we serve and seek others around us may we fix our eyes on you uh, and just ask that you would overflow in our hearts as we go amen amen you guys can have a seat thanks autumn thanks Wyatt okay so this last section is going to be quick it's just three verses as Paul closes uh, out this chapter and really, it's a transition for the whole book, okay? This is gonna be a prayer from Paul as he's moving us from kind of the narrative of where we've been to some directives for the Thessalonians. And the thing that we're gonna see really clear is that he is emphasizing to them that, hey, you wanna walk with Jesus well, then you keep your eyes up on him. One of my friends, she's 27 years old, won't tell you her name, she uh, moved here from Missouri a couple of years ago, but basically she let her driver's license expire uh, a month or so ago. And it got so expired that turns out they called her and they're like, hey, you gotta go take your driving test again. Okay, as a 27 year old, and y'all, I was, I'm a great friend. I was like, I hope you fail. Oh man, I told you, a great friend. And she, she's sitting there, you know, with all these 15 year olds and that kind of thing. but. The reason I kind of felt that for her, uh, one was just to make fun of her, but two, I was like, I think I would fail that test. I don't know if I could go in and answer questions about driving. Like I know how to drive, but I've kind of forgotten outside of like 10 and two, what you're supposed to do textbook wise. But I'll tell you this, the one thing I remember, and I don't know if it was from my parents or from someone else who told me, but in driving, you actually don't wanna look down at the road. And I remember learning this as a kid, which is ironic because you always hear people be like, keep your eyes on the road. But actually what you wanna do is keep your eyes up at where you're going. Because if you look down at the road, you're gonna be swerving a ton and you won't be able to see what's coming. You're gonna hit something. But if you keep your eyes up, I can't fully explain it, but the senses in your body will just autocorrect just the slightest to keep you in line at where you're headed. And I think what Paul is doing as he closes out chapter three is reminding the Thessalonians of the same principle that as you go through life, don't just look down at all the afflictions. Yes, let's acknowledge them for what they are, but man, the only way to walk through this is to keep our eyes up and to fix them on Jesus. And I can't explain it, but as you do, your, your body and your heart and your mind and your soul will autocorrect just the slightest to follow him and his will for your life. Look at that in these three verses. He tells them, we want our way to be directed to you. We want to be with you again, but how is that gonna happen? The Lord Jesus is gonna have to make it happen. Man, we want you to increase and abound in love and continue to love others out of the overflow of the gospel. How is that gonna happen? The Lord is gonna make it happen. And ultimately, we wanna be blameless and holy, standing right beside you one day when Lord Jesus comes back, knowing that we fought the good fight. And how is that gonna happen? It's the Lord that's gonna establish it for us. The only power that we have in this world, the only power is God within us, nothing of our own. 
And as believers, if we want to make a difference, if we want to actually follow him, we have to fix our eyes on him and daily remind ourselves of that, that our identity, our influence, our hope is not in any political party, any school system, any job, any activity, anything that the world might say, find your fulfillment here, that's not where ours is. And we want to daily fix our eyes on Jesus. So to end, I'm gonna give you uh, two practicals to take away. These are fun. Uh, hopefully you guys got a bookmark. If so, you can pull it out. You should have been given one when you came in. Uh, if you weren't given one or you need an extra or so, you can go grab some from the foyer. Uh, but this is really simple. Some of y'all may have seen one of these before, but Wyatt Despain, who's on our team, who just prayed, and Abby Lay, another one of our FSM team members, put this together. And it's just a reminder to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Something to keep in your Bible. And as you study, no matter if it's 1 Thessalonians, Genesis, Revelation, doesn't matter. As you study and you see characteristics of God come out, write them down. God is fill in the blank next to that letter and put the scripture reference. So this might take you months to fill out and that's great, but you just you keep it in there as a reminder of who he is and how faithful he is. I'll share one of mine that, that I wrote, um, one of the first ones that I wrote on that. The second practical before I do is this. Uh, you know, a lot of times we probably look at our phone way more than we do in scripture. We've got work, communication, all that kind of stuff. So how can we use that for good? Well, Caitlin Dixon, who's on our design team, put together um, a few phone backgrounds that you can go on our uh, service uh, webpage. So fsmrogers.org slash services, and you can find these resources. People at home, you can also find the bookmarks on there that you can print off for your family. But these are good pictures just to download and set them as a background on your phone so that every time you open it to check for text, Instagram, work, whatever it is, this is the first thing you see. I actually put this one over here uh, on my phone for the last week and it got me. I was sitting at a park uh, with my son, Duke, and I didn't wanna talk to anybody. You know, I, the more we go through COVID, the more I'm like, I don't even know how to talk to people and I don't want to talk to people. But I'm sitting there and there's these families over there and I look at my phone to check a text and I'm like, God, give me boldness and courage to share your good news with those around me. Allow your truth, goodness, and beauty to be revealed in and through the way I serve others. And I was like, shoot. <laughs> All right, here we go. So I stood up and I went over and talked to the family and they were actually believers. One of the couples goes to fellowship. And so I have new friends uh, and community in the Lord just from something simple like that. And who knows what that'll lead to in the future if I stay faithful with it. But what I wrote on my bookmark, the, the first thing would be from Psalm 16 too. It's one of my favorite verses. It's a life verse for one of my kids. And I just wrote next to G that God is good. Psalm 16 too. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord and I have no good apart from you. The only thing good about me as Hunter House as a sinful human being is the fact that I've been redeemed by Christ and that it's the goodness of God working in me that actually overflows. And so Pat here, Pat Anderson, one of our worship pastors, actually took this uh, section of scripture, Psalm 16, and wrote a song about it a couple years ago. And so we get to worship the Lord straight from his word. And so would you guys stand with me? Those bookmarks, phone backgrounds, that stuff you can do as you go throughout the week, and I encourage you to do that. But for these last seven or eight minutes, we wanna lift up worship to the Lord. So let me, let me pray for us. God, we declare that you are good and that we have no good apart from you. And I pray that we would set our eyes on you, reminding ourselves that, that you are the prize, beholding your glory, God leading us to worship, 
Open our eyes to let us see you for who you are.
So as you leave, we're going to sing this truth over you. Build our lives on your love. Go in peace.